Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kim. And this is The Department, a podcast about trends and how they define the world around us. And it's the third installment on a mini series about online dating and how it revolutionized relationships and dating, opening up new ways that we could just connect with people. Uh, but before we get into it, you know, just going to do our little quick reminder here that you can follow us on Instagram. It's at underscore the underscore department, or you can connect with us online. It's the department.world. Uh, we have, you know, all of our show notes are on there. You, you can get our email on there where you could <laughs> you can send us messages. Um, you can also find our hotline number on there. Um, pretty much anything that you need. And um, even our pictures are on there if you want to see what we look like. <laughs> it's important, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Super important. Um, <laughs> you can also, you know, check us out on Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a star rating and review. Um, it really helps us get seen. If you do just take like a moment and, you know, it basically just click a, you know, five star rating for us, um, you know, and then, you know, just follow us on your preferred podcast or streaming service. Yeah. And we will really appreciate that. We'll get really excited. I love when we get a review. I was just telling Kim before we started recording about how much I just like reading reviews in general. I gave her a very dramatic <laughs> retelling of a review I read of a pizza buffet. Uh, so <laughs> send me some more reviews to read. <laughs> anyway, I just want to remind you to please send us your dating stories. We love to hear them. We want to share them all here on the episode. In particular, we're looking for stories about the new social trends and behaviors related to online dating, you know, the ghosting, the pen paling, breaking up via text. Maybe you discovered a friend was chatting with the same person or even dating them. I know that happens a ton. Also, mm -hmm. if there are any platforms apps that we haven't discussed yet, please reach out because I feel like there are so many. Please, has anyone here used Farmers Only? Let me know. I want to hear about it or <laughs> or plenty of fish. <laughs> um, and speaking of platforms we haven't talked about yet, Meg called in to ask us about some other places you might find a date or even love. Hi, Amanda and Kim. This is Meg, first time caller, long time listener. I just wanted to reach out after your call out for early aughts dating stories. Um, my husband and I are about five years apart and he is five years older than me. And so we often reminisce about the earlier times in our lives in our early 20s. And, you know, he being older definitely experienced the pinnacle of early aughts hipster lifestyle and culture. And so it has been a really fun ride listening to all of your recent podcasts and reminiscing about all of those trends and for better or for worse um, styles and types of people that you dealt with. Um, but after your call out about dating, we did start talking about it. And he mentioned to me that in the early aughts, he used to find dates on Craigslist. 
And being five years younger, I can't help but snicker at that and think that is super creepy to be finding dates on Craigslist. Uh, But he assures me over and over that it was not so weird back in the early 2000s. And so I'm just wondering, have either of you ever gotten a date on Craigslist or any other website, maybe MySpace or another website that I can't think of off the top of my head that may now be defunct? And I don't know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Thank you guys so much. Love the pod. Bye. So Kim, first off, have you ever looked for love on Craigslist? Okay, this is definitely really embarrassing, but like in the early 90s, I did actually go on a date um, and did date someone briefly. What? How was it? Oh, it was okay. You know, that was like kind of, it was before, um, uh, what's it called? Okay, Cupid. Murder. Okay, Cupid. Yeah, it was before Okay, Cupid. It was before murder. <laughs> it's before Okay, Cupid. Yeah, that was kind of like a place that you could kind of find people. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is it was, it was sometimes a little hard to to figure out if they it was just like hookups or if it was people that were interested right. in actual relationships because sometimes people weren't really that clear. <laughs> You well, know? they didn't know either. <laughs> yeah, and it was like it was it was like it was like New York, and, and you know, and like I said, it was kind of hard to meet people there, and you kind of got lonely. And uh, and I remember just trying it out once, and like, and I remember getting some messages back, and I was like, oh my gosh, no, <laughs> like, like wow, like really, really disgusting messages back. Uh, and I was like, this I is can't. not. <laughs> I I, just, I don't even want to know. I have ideas. You don't want to yeah, know. Yeah. Nope. Don't want to know. And I was like, this is not, uh, nope. I like that really just kind of christened <laughs> the online dating scene for me right away where you're like, you know what to expect right away, that this is kind of what the scene's going to be. Um, but I did kind of, I did meet someone who was, who was actually a pretty nice guy. He was like a, a small business owner. Um, and I dated him a little bit, um, but he just didn't have that much in common. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of, I didn't I didn't do it anymore after that and then pretty soon OkCupid came on the scene and you could actually kind of dial it in a little bit more based on you know your interests. So yeah, that's my experience. Well, I never did Craigslist, but uh, Meg did ask about like if, if you would ever found dates on like MySpace or Facebook. And mm-hmm. I never found a date on MySpace, but it did remind me. Do you remember cool new people? Mm-mm. It was like I put a screenshot in here for you to see, but there would be on your oh. login page for MySpace, they'd feature three people oh. who were cool new people. And I got featured as a cool new person. And I got like 5,000 friend requests all at once. Whoa. And lots of dudes like trying to like ask me to do things with them. But I, I was like so overwhelmed by it uh, that I didn't even accept all the friend requests. But I did, I was thinking like, had I ever started dating someone based on Facebook, because that does happen. Like I I have heard stories of that. The most recent season of 90 Day Fiance that I've been watching involves two people who met through a Facebook group anyway. Mm-hmm. So it happens. Um, I met this guy really briefly in Portland when I was living in Philadelphia and we became friends on Facebook. And he was we were always talking on Facebook and he was always commenting on my stuff. And when I posted that I was moving to Portland, he literally made me, messaged me and was like, please hang out with me as soon as your plane lands. Uh, So we started dating, (laughs) you know, Uh that's how these things go. Uh And we had a really just messed up relationship for years and years. Yeah. He was actually a real delight. I would have never picked this guy on a dating website, by the way. Like he didn't have cool style. 
Uh-huh. Uh, but he had good taste in music and food and movies. And he was really, really funny. Um, he had a sort of Toby McGuire vibe that I can really appreciate. Okay. I like a boyish fellow. And uh, I was thinking about him the other day. And I don't think I've ever told you this story. But years into this on-again, off-again relationship, I am once again wake up and I'm like in bed with him at his house because I just like could not stay away from him. And even though he worked <laughs> in advertising and made a pretty good living, he lived in this really weird house, which he owned, that had maybe all of like three pieces of furniture in it. There was like a couch, there was a dining room table, and a mattress on the floor that he slept on in his bedroom. Super comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So we never really stayed there. We usually stayed at my apartment. But for some reason, I woke up there. And I was in bed. It was like the middle of the night on this mattress. In bed. The- you mean on the mattress on the, on the mattress. floor? <laughs> yeah. And I, I heard a weird sound coming from the living room. And I get up. I open the door. And there are three raccoons in the <gasps> living room. <laughs> And I was oh like, um, am I dreaming? And then I felt very afraid because, like, I was awake and I'd never heard of raccoons being in someone's living room. Like, yes, and they're very aggressive. And Kim, literally one of them was sitting on the couch, just, like, <gasps> kicking back like it was going to drink a beer. Oh, my God. In retrospect, I think it was the mom raccoon sitting on the couch and then her two children wrestling on the floor, like having horseplay, like they lived in this house. And when they (laughs) saw me, they did not care. They looked at me for a second and they went back to what they were doing, which also in retrospect gives me the impression that they hung out in that living room a lot. Yeah. So I go back in. I'm like, what should I do? What should I do? I'm like, wake up, wake up, wake up. And he's like, what, what? And I'm like, don't be afraid. But there's raccoons in the living room. And he was like, shh, go back to sleep. They'll leave. And <gasps> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, okay. But then I laid there and I was like. What is this, Grey Gardens? I know, right? And I was like, you know, he's got cats. This could be – I've heard of raccoons hurting cats. I got to do something. So I have this idea that I'm going to get a broom and I'm just going to mm-hmm. shoo them out the door. Well, I get dressed. I go out there. Of course, he doesn't own a broom. I mean, he's got three pieces of furniture. The house is filthy. I just stand. Many, many red flags are just happening all at once. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, And his cat walks in. He was a huge orange cat. And he's all like puffed up to like three times his size. Like he's like raccoon size now. And he's growling and hissing at them. And he backs (gasps) them out through the cat door one by one. They just laughed. So I went back to bed and I got up in the morning and I was like, okay, I like, I just need to leave right away. I cannot, this is the last straw. (laughs) I am not going to hang out with this guy anymore. This was the sign I needed, right? Can't stay away from this. I know. I get up, I get dressed, I go in the bathroom. There's no toilet paper. It's filthy. Oh my God. I go in the kitchen to get a glass of water. There's food sitting on the counter from a party he had three weeks before that that I wasn't even invited to. And I'm just like, oh, I got to get out of here right now. Like I can never come back to this house again. And then I'm like, wait, oh. should I tell him about the raccoons? So I go back in and I'm like, hey, I'm leaving. I just want to let you know that there were raccoons in the house last night. And he was like, huh, well, that's never happened before. And I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, well, like, let's just say they did come back. What do you think I should do? And right then, that was when I knew that those raccoons were coming over every night. Oh, You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I 
I got to go. Um, I know all of you who are listening to this story would love to hear that I never hung out with this guy again. Of course, that did not. That was not true. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait, did you see him again? Oh, my God. I can't explain it with this guy. <laughs> I would go out with other people who I liked way more, but then I'd run into him. And it was just – I mean, you know how it goes. I, I just, know. Sometimes it's just like complete attraction, but you just don't take it seriously. I know. I know. Well, I, mean, I get it. It was that definitely cooled things off, you know? Yeah. But, no judgment here. But, no I judgment. Mean, for years after this, we still talked every day. <laughs> you know, living in LA, we still talked every day. And actually, the last straw for me was a week before I got married. The last straw. The last straw. Beyond- was a week Beyond that. I, uh, was a week before I got married to Dustin. I ran into this guy. <laughs> a week before. I know. I know. Married. It wasn't even a full week, Kim. I was in LA. I ran into this guy at LAX, and all he did for thirty minutes was talk about himself. And I was literally getting married later that week, which is a, something you would ask about. Yeah. And I realized that even though he had to know I was getting married in a week, he'd never once said congratulations on your engagement or acknowledged it ever and said he just like even at the airport this day was just talking about this trip to Vietnam he'd been on and literally like Kim this is the guy who would talk to you almost every day you know and uh then a couple days later aka the day I got married he was texting me for advice about where to buy a dress for some girl he was dating and I was like dude I'm literally getting married right now please do not ever text me again and he's his response was Oh, I thought you already got married. Oh, and I was like, "You're, you're I'm done." <laughs> like, Wait, why is he buying a dress? Dude, for I don't a even girl? know. And what an idiot question! Because, oh. like, what's her taste? You know, what's yes. she like? It, what is the situation? Also, women don't like it when you buy them. No. Oh, and any like dress clothes. he was going to pick like, out, don't do it. No, any dress he was going to pick out, what he wanted me to do was pick out a dress for him to buy for her because I had yeah. been for years picking out every gift that he gave someone. I picked out the furniture in his house when he finally bought oh. furniture. I mean, I could go on and on. I was picking out his clothes, his shoes. If you ever received a baby or a wedding gift from him, I picked it out. We were not dating. <laughs> You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I mean, that was a toxic relationship, but most people would have given up after the raccoon thing, but not this guy because I am in it for the long haul. There must have been some like serious like pheromones uh, happening. Yeah, it just makes no sense to me. Otherwise, sometimes we'd be out and I look at him and I'd be like, he's really handsome, but like he's not. He's wearing like a baseball hat. He doesn't dress. Sometimes cool. I don't know, man. Sometimes yeah. there's just something that is just completely unexplainable. Yeah, and this was one of those. This was the most extreme version of that. Um, so <laughs> yeah, you have your own raccoon story, your own relationship that went on way too long that started on Facebook. Please call us and tell us about it, uh, so I don't feel like I'm the only one. <laughs> But today, as I promised in the last episode, we're going to talk about something near and dear to my heart, or at least very fascinating to me, and that is catfishing. I decided to consult the most reliable dictionary for these important social issues. That would be the Urban Dictionary. 
Mm-hmm. And here's what it said. It said, a fake or stolen online identity created or used for the purposes of beginning a deceptive relationship. And the sentence example is, turns out the girl I thought I met online was just a catfish of a fat old man. Or like a raccoon, like a fat, a fat raccoon. <laughs> a raccoon who does have a house of his own. Um, I thought, you know, I was like, this term catfishing, it's probably, it probably came from the Bible, right? Or some great work of the literary canon. Like, it sounded ancient in origin, right? I mean, I thought it came from, you know, because, you know, catfish are bottom feeders. Like, I thought it came from, like, the fish that, you know... Yeah. That eat crap from the, like literally crap from the bottom. Yeah, that's that's what I thought place. too. And I was like, someone probably at some point wrote something really deep about catfish and how they resemble a certain type of person. But that is in fact totally untrue. And it actually came from the 2010 documentary of the same name, Catfish, directed by Ariel Schulman and Henry Joost. Kim, I asked you to watch this. It was your homework. Mm-hmm. How would you summarize the plot? And also, how did you feel when you finished it? Were you surprised by it? I actually was extremely surprised by it. So I watched it uh, last night with Neil. Okay. And there was an emotional complexity and compassion to the story that I did not expect. It it makes me very – it's actually – it's very sad. And Mm -hmm. I saw it when it originally came out in 2010 and had not watched it since then. And a few months ago, Dustin – and I rewatched it. Well, he'd never seen it, which I was like, you mm-hmm. have to see this. And I mean, I teared up a little bit. It was yeah. really sad to me. It was really sad. Yeah. And actually, Neil, had, both Neil and I had avoided it for over 10 years. And I kind of had thought that it would be a little, I don't know. I just, I didn't really know what to expect. And this was, this came out around the time of Jackass. And I was really expecting it it was going to be something like that. I thought it was going to be salacious and Mm -hmm. silly because we're going to talk about the series that it inspired in a moment. But I thought it would be more like that. And actually, I mean, it had had a lot of gravitas to it. Like Mm -hmm. it it is very intense. It starts off as kind of like a little meet cute about a photographer uh, in the late aughts. I think is it 2008? His name's Neve. Neve is important. Yeah. Okay. His name is Neve. um, And it it, it starts in New York. um, And he has this photo that receives some media attention. And a young girl, what's her name? Abby. Abby Abby Pierce. And she's an eight-year-old child prodigy. Yes. Yes. From northern Michigan. Yes. Very rural. And she, very rural. And she reaches out and sends him a painting of the photo that he did um, and, you know, mails it to him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of form this relationship. And so his friends, his friend and his brother, who happen to be filmmakers and share a, a studio space, decide to document the friendship. Right, right. And I don't think they know where this is going to go. No, they know. They have no idea because they're just kind of talking about how, about basically this, the beginning of this this friendship. And that's mm-hmm. where it kind of starts. That's where like the whole beginning of it starts. And so, but then it starts snowballing and these kind of, these new people start getting introduced, like the mother and the sister, as well as some other friends and relatives, but mostly the mother and mostly the sister actually. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly virtually. And this was a time period when you just kind of friended 
everyone on Facebook. Yeah, it's true. Anyone who sent you a friend request, you didn't care. Mm-hmm. That's like a big deal was like friend requests. Mm-hmm. And you kind of became acquainted in a friend group and kind of got to know everyone through this virtual world. And you looked at their photos and you saw this like chat, the comments and all those things. Um, you know, they also co- communicated on the phone a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all just kind of, you know, from afar because they were, it was like Michigan and New York. Um, there was some male communication since the young girl was still sending artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sister is this like hot dancer, singer, songwriter, horse chick. Named Megan. Megan. Yes. And she starts developing a romantic attachment with Nev, yes. the guy. Yes. And the they are sending each other some like, I mean, well, racy. Not, I, racy. And I think. I think that phone sex is implied there too. Like they, they talk on the phone all the time. It is a very mm-hmm. sensual romantic relationship. It's really intense, but mm-hmm. they've never met. So the characters again are guy. We've got we've got Neve, who by the way mm-hmm. is the brother of the director. Just reiterating that. We've got Abby, who's this eight-year-old prodigy artist. Mm-hmm. We've got Angela, who is Abby's mother, who's also very mm-hmm. beautiful. And I think an Beautiful. artist too, like that's where she mm-hmm. gets where she's a singer, something like that. Uh, they don't. I don't know if they really introduced Angela's husband Vince that much, but he's mentioned. And then Abby's half sister Megan, who's an adult and just like the most beautiful woman ever, right? Yeah, and you can see all the photos like on Facebook. They're so mid mid two thousands. Definitely a lot of low rise. <laughs> they all look like they live in like the city, you know. Not rural yes. Michigan. I mean, they're all like very bohemian, very uh-huh. artsy. Um, mm-hmm. It really paints this town in in Michigan as like some like, you know, I don't know, like arts enclave. But it's like yes. totally not. That's part of the spoiler. But it, in yeah. addition to these, this main cast of characters, there are many other people in this social circle too that you can see on Facebook. Like – cousins and friends and coworkers mm-hmm. and it's like it's a universe of people and they're all talking and commenting and yes um you know it's it's like it's friends and family like basically having a you know a facebook group yes <laughs> you yes. know so i can't remember why but suddenly neve decides to go to michigan do you remember why no yeah okay so basically what happens is um uh, well, Neve and the, the documentary filmmakers go to Aspen. Mm. And they're, they're they're shooting something in Aspen, and they were they you know they were spending a lot of time on the phone. The, the sister and him were spending a lot of time on the phone, and she's sending him all these songs where she's like <gasps> singing right. all these beautiful songs and sending them to him and posting them on Facebook, and like everyone's commenting on how beautiful her voice is. And they were like you know uh, you like the documentary is like is all about how you know how great how great she is at, at singing and they were at requesting songs for her to, to sing. And so she does, does it. And they were kind of like Googling some songs. And then they kind of realize out of a fluke that one of the songs that she sends them is actually performed by someone else that they find online. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they check all the other songs and find out all the other songs were performed by other artists that she just basically pulled off the internet. Yep. And then it kind of dawns on them suddenly they can't trust anything she says. Mm-hmm. So they start fact-checking and finding other discrepancies while every everyone kind of just keeps playing into the lies. Mm-hmm. 
So that's when they go up to Michigan and find out the truth. And the truth is shocking and Mm -hmm. sad. Well, well, I mean, it's just an elaborate ruse made up by a married woman who has some tendencies to lie and exaggerate, you know, even after being called out, um, you know, most likely because of some insecurities, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, she is the caretaker of, you know, she's, she's married to, uh, to this man who has two very, very, um, emotionally and physically, um, I mean, well, they are very medically fragile for one. Um, I feel like they have feeding tubes and whatnot, but they also have one of them does. There are also some serious intellectual disabilities there. Neither of them can walk or anything. I don't, Think, wait, can the one one of them could, one walk. Of them could walk? One of yeah. them could walk and was like, yeah, it was, it was very sad. But she also has a, had a couple daughters. Mm-hmm. I think one of them was really young, um, and then one of them was older, but not in the picture. And that was the this this fake Megan. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd even been talking to her, and she'd said that she had cancer, but she didn't have cancer. Mm-hmm. They said that the daughter Megan was was in rehab, but she actually wasn't in rehab. Um, and it was her that was painting all these paintings because her yes. dream was to be an artist, and that was like her only refuge. And so she was constantly painting. I think that maybe she had even gone to art school, but something had messed that up for her. And so she was the one making all the paintings. But I mean, mm-hmm. her life w- was not what she wanted it to be. I think she had a lot of mental health issues. Obviously being a mm-hmm. full-time caregiver to this family is exhausting. Um, yeah. it, it was really sad. I, I, I'm not sure what the intention was with the directors. Like if they wanted us to be angry at her, to laugh at her, but I just felt deeply sad. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I feel like it wasn't meant to be like, ha ha, look at this. I think it was meant to be like, Wow, someone who would do this is is dealing with a lot of pain. Yeah, I think yeah. they were pretty shocked and very they they were they did, they approached it really as just like we just need, we're just trying to understand the truth. Yeah, because um, really this, this, this didn't exist before. Catfishing was completely, you know, it was kind of a new thing. I mean, obviously they made up the word. Angela put aid epic amount of work into this, right? She's making paintings. Yes. She's created this entire universe of people who do not exist. She had two blackberries. I know. I forgot about that. Oh, my God. Yes. And her husband knew nothing about it. Nothing. So her husband thought that they were their, the art buyers. So she had told her husband that that they were buying her art. That's Right. And that there were these these like <sighs> big big city art buyers, yeah. and he was really excited to meet them, and he knew all about them, and they were super confused because he knew their names, mm-hmm. and they didn't know him. They didn't know him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was definitely worth a watch. Holds up, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he she also had a really large crush. On Nev. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, her feelings were there. And I mm-hmm. I got the vibe that she definitely was hoping that maybe he would be cool with this and they would be together or something. You know, uh, he obviously wasn't. He definitely, obviously, was very d- 
deeply involved with this unreal person and probably therefore deeply affected by it. But he was a little bit of a dick in the documentary. Uh, Understandably so. I mean, what Mm -hmm. a wild ride and like the last thing that you would expect. Yeah. Because it was so elaborate. Yeah. You wouldn't think that someone would create an entire town and family of people. Yeah. It's just like pulled photos. Having conversations mm-hmm. with one another. It, yeah. It, she did it all in her so free wild. time was create this whole yeah. world. Which I don't even know how. How she had yeah. the free time. It is wild. So the term catfishing actually came from that this documentary. According to Wired, quote, Angela's husband, Vince, who likely came to the catfish allegory by way of the popular Christian writer, Joel Osteen, puts his own spin on it. He says, they they used to tank cod from Alaska all the way to China, he says, mixing up the geography. By the time the codfish reached China, the flesh was mush and tasteless. So this guy came up with the idea that if you put these cods in these big vats, put some catfish in with them, and the catfish will keep the cod agile. And there are those people who are catfish in life. They keep you on your toes. They keep you guessing. They keep you thinking. They keep you fresh. I am surprised that they chose to call the Mm -hmm. documentary Catfish because I don't think that this metaphor works at all. But the idea here is that the catfish was Angela Mm -hmm. and she kept Neve, the cod, Mm -hmm. I suppose, stimulated, kept kept him on his toes. It's a gross metaphor for sure, but it definitely stuck. It's probably not even the best name for it, but it does in a way that has nothing to do with Vince's metaphor there feel appropriate for it more in the way where you're talking about like bottom feeders and I I don't know. I was actually like thinking uh, rather than calling them uh, bottom feeders, they should call them manatees because I know that sailors used to confuse manatees for mermaids. I don't know. Interesting. (laughs) Maybe. Anyway, uh, it's too late now. Catfish is what we call it. So the documentary was very successful. And I think because it was unlike anything most of us had ever seen, like Kim said, we didn't know about catfishing. Surely there were there was so much catfishing happening before this, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Um, and there still is. But this led to the MTV series Catfish, the TV show, and it launched in 2012. It's hosted by Neve from the documentary and seriously, the most mega babe silver fox, <laughs> Max Joseph. Uh, he, Dustin and I both love him because he gets really angry at the catfishers and I really enjoy his genuine rage and disgust over That's these hilarious. situations. Um, Max left the show a few years ago and there's been a rotation of guest hosts since then, but no one has been right in my opinion. Is it still on? It is still on and Neve remains... Um, there's been some controversy there, but yeah, it's, it's still, it still goes strong because huh. believe it or not, Kim, even now people still get catfished. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm just shocked that it's still, you know, it still has strong ratings and everything. Yeah. People love it. And I think mm-hmm. Dustin and I were talking about a lot, like, okay, the documentary was shocking, right? We were talking about how in 2010, when that documentary came out, it was kind of easy to catfish someone. And with each passing year, it's gotten a little bit more difficult as technology has increased. And we'll talk about this more later, but the reality is that you could go spend 10 bucks on the internet and find out who someone is 
in this day and age. So these yeah. people unwilling to even spend $10 to figure out who someone is are – they kind of don't want to know the truth is my opinion. We'll talk about that more as we move through this. But it's really easy to tell if you're being catfished if you do the yeah. work and the work's not yeah. that hard. So that's all I'm saying. It, in 2010, it would have been a totally different story. There is no way Neve and his friends would have ever figured out what was happening if they hadn't gone to Michigan. Like, it was just so elaborate, you know? And I was talking to Neil about this. Like, video was not – like, you had to have, a, like, that little ball video attachment. Like, both people had to get one. Yeah. Yeah. To exactly. even use a video. And it was, like, a complicated process back it then. It was. It was. And, you know, it would cost money. It was just, like, a thing. It, it made sense why it was easy back then. So – And even, like, internet uh, – internet was hard, too. Like, it just it was, was really hard. It was. You, it, this would – like, Skyping with someone in that way would have been a miserable experience. Mm -hmm. So each episode of the show sort of operates under the same outline. It'll start with Neve and Max receiving an email from a person who is hopelessly in love with someone who they've never met. And they always there's always the same criteria going on here. The person often refuses to video chat or FaceTime oh. or send photos in real time. And you know, so this show has been on since 2012 and you know, even back in 2012, video chat like you said was really hard. So it seemed believable yeah. that you could and I will say I mean, as a, come on. As a person who's watched all the seasons of this show, the early seasons seem more real to me. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing about these relationships is that they are incredibly intense. They show a lot of the text conversations, the email conversations, Facebook messenger conversations, whatever they're using. These people will text all day, all night. It's very romantic. It's very intimate. Lots of I love you and I want to hold you and stuff like that. It's intimate in a way that I am certainly not intimate with Justin via texting, nor have I ever been, you know, because yeah. we see each other in real life. Um, I don't know if you're like that. I have a hard time imagining that. But <laughs> no. no. Um, these sometimes these people do talk to this other person on the phone. There are phone conversations. Not that often, though. All of the person's photos on social media are gorgeous. Like, just gorgeous. The most attractive uh, people you've ever seen. <laughs> Often this person is a model, a rapper, a DJ. There is one where the person really seriously thought that they were in a relationship with Katy Perry. Oh, That they my were God. engaged to Katy Perry. Okay? <laughs> that one's like a classic episode. If I were going to tell you just go watch a couple episodes of Catfish. That is one that you really should go watch because it is wild. And it really breaks down the sort of mental gymnastics you have to do to be in that kind of relationship. Because I remember at this point, Katy Perry was involved with Orlando Bloom and this guy just refused to believe that. Uh, <laughs> this guy felt that she was sending him signals. But he wasn't oh, wow. mentally ill anyway. I mean, and he was getting, Ooh. to be fair... He was getting messages from Katy Perry every day. It's true. Nah. Uh, so <laughs> the other thing is that this person's phone always has a broken camera. Always. They cannot FaceTime. They cannot oh, take a photo with their phone. It's broken, right? This person may have actually made plans or multiple plans to meet up with the person that's being catfished, but they never show up. This happens a lot. Or they cancel at last minute. 
and it's always some epic crisis, like a car okay. accident, someone died. There, there's so much cancer on catfish. Everyone's oh, getting cancer, sometimes multiple times. Someone else's family member has cancer. It's always a reason why this or that cannot happen. So they get all this information. They usually start by doing a video chat with the catfishy, kind of collecting more evidence about it. Then next, Neve and Max will sit down. And this is step one. Like I'm basically – if you, you're listening to this right now and you're wondering if – you're being catfished. I really do recommend step one here, which is to <laughs> do a reverse image search of the catfish's photos. Yeah. It was just super easy to do. Yes. You just I would, you download, you, or you could do a screenshot of them or download yes. them. Yes. And then and you upload Google it to Google. Yeah. <laughs> 50% of the time, they immediately realize that these photos have been stolen from someone else's profile. Mm-hmm. Now, Dustin and I were talking about this earlier and We would say now it's more like 50% that that's the case, but in the early days, it was almost always the case. People, catfish, have gotten smarter, and they are – basically, I think that they are figuring out better ways to Mm -hmm. steal photos, and it usually seems to be from someone who has their profile on private. So Uh. it's often someone that they know so they can see their photos but won't come up in a Google search. So – If you want to catfish someone, there's some advice. Um, (laughs) Often, if they do find out who these photos belong to, Neve and Max will then call, like literally, like usually Skype, you know, FaceTime, this person whose photos were stolen just to prove it's not that person. They don't know them. The person's always really upset. It's very awkward. I mean, that must be a really weird thing to hear, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So next, they will fly to the catfishies hometown to meet with them. They'll do some more investigation. Maybe they'll try to contact the catfish, you know, via their phone. They'll get blown off a few times. Eventually, after a lot of begging and pleading, they will set up a face-to-face meet. Half the time, the person doesn't show up or something weird happens. So then they have to do it again. It always culminates with a very dramatic reveal maybe some calmer discussion the next day. Most of the time it is very bad. There are a lot Mm -hmm. of tears. There is anger. As Neve told Wired, he said, inevitably the second they see them, they have an instantaneous drain of affection. Oh. I mean, and these relationships are like so intense, you know, so intense. Um, So that's how it goes. And they always follow that formula, even with these new guest hosts. Are the catfishes are they, are they are they asking for anything besides attention? Like, do they do they want money from usually on MTV? Sometimes they do. Okay, yeah. Sometimes they sometimes there's money involved. Yeah, okay. We'll get to that, but not as often as you would think. I suspect, though, in real life, like if we were able to collect data on all the people who are being catfished every year, which we never would because people are so embarrassed about it. I think we would find most of them involve money. Like you were sending, you sent me that article before we started recording about how people are being catfished by like what fake doctors or something (laughs) for money i did post a couple um reports Mm -hmm. down here about the money just to look to look at later but yeah i I was just curious like what percentage were about money or what percent yeah anyway i know you're gonna get to it yeah i mean it there is there's definitely money involved on catfish the show not as often 
Because that doesn't make for good drama. Every once in a while there is one, but in general, that's not exciting enough, you know? Um, I Hmm. did, I found this article, a 2013 Hollywood Reporter article. So this is about, this is was written like a year or two after the show came out, and it was called Is Catfish Catfishing America? And it was actually really mm. eye-opening. I'm just gonna read you some quotes from it because it it pokes some holes in the conceit of catfish. We found that in every instance except one, the catfisher, not the catfishy, as the series claims, has been the one to contact MTV first. Wow. Yeah. The catfisher has consistently been the one to initiate the process. Weird. I know. I I had read that on Reddit a long time ago, and I thought that was so fascinating to me that often they have a guilty conscience about it, and they want to be cleared of the situation. But it's always painted as if the person being catfished is the one who started the conversation. And I was reading some quotes from people like where they were like, yeah, just all of a sudden I heard from MTV and I they made it sound like some friends of mine had connected them to me. So it's confusing for everyone, right? But it is mm-hmm. reality TV and we have to remember reality TV is at least somewhat fake if not completely fake, right? Exactly. Um, another quote says, one catfishy from the South says she and her catfisher hadn't been in contact for a couple of months until catfish's producers showed interest. We dropped off talking for a couple months and then we got it started again when someone reached out to MTV about me and the catfisher's online identity talking. MTV producers hit me up, but I didn't reach out to them because I didn't know anything about a new show. So once again, like these relationships are not always as Mm. honestly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I will tell you, having seen every episode, these relationships are incredibly intense to a level where you're like, I just don't know, you know? There's definitely a staff writer there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Every catfish subject told us the series hosts, Shulman and Joseph, are indeed kept in the dark about the true identities of the catfishers. Their internet research into these people's lives are apparently all authentic, which I agree. I You can tell that, and that makes me enjoy it. I'd read somewhere else a while ago, and I'm pretty sure that somewhere else was Reddit, so take it for what it's worth, uh, that... The producers already know what's going to happen. Well, not what's going to happen, but they know the identity. I mean, obviously they do if most of the time it's the catfish who's reached out to them. They don't tell Max and Neve, but they do sort of set in place like time limits for where they have to reach like specific milestones in their like investigation. So if 12 hours into it, they haven't realized that this person isn't their photos, then there's something there's a, they have to jump in and kind of egg it along a little bit. I haven't mm. noticed that happening in the show, but obviously they edit it. Um, they are saying, though, that the initial contact between Neve and the catfisher is, in fact, a fabrication. Everybody involved has already agreed to an in-person meetup before production begins. Not <laughs> meaning that Neve knows who that person is, but like I said, the producers know and they have already gotten that person to agree to appear. I know that Neve and Max must know that, right? <laughs> but they always act very frustrated and worried that it's not going to work out. So there is some fakery there. Hmm. Uh, 
Naturally, this complicates how viewers watch the show. If the two parties have long agreed to meet in person, Neve's random selection of a catfishy by scrolling through his email no longer seems romantic. And his dramatic phone call to the catfish suddenly isn't so dramatic. Is the catfisher genuinely surprised when Neve requests a meetup on camera? Not really, says one catfisher, because they told me they were going to do it before they actually did it. So feign complete surprise. Yeah, well, that did explain something to me, because I have to say, sometimes the catfish specifically, they have such strange responses to things, um, and most of them Mm -hmm. just seem really... I don't know if it's because they're nervous. Probably that's what it is. But there's just like a very dull, awkward affect to everything that they're just like, yeah, sounds good. All right. <laughs> Whereas if I, in in a parallel universe where I'm catfishing people, I'd be like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I'm freaking out so hard right now, you know, that, but they're not. They just like come to yeah, terms they're just like, and just downplaying their own yeah, shame. Yeah, I can't forget. Reading this made me feel like, okay – I now see why the catfish people, all of the people who are doing the catfishing, always seem just sort of like, whatevs, shit happens, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the one thing they all have in common, or they'll just be really quiet, yeah. and that's weird too. Yeah. Despite any staging or fictionalizing of this series, which obviously there is some, catfishing is still a very real phenomenon. And I want to remind you, a statistic from the introduction to online dating a couple episodes ago, 71% of people said that they felt people on online platforms were, quote, lying and scamming. Yeah. Yeah. And I read an article. I didn't I didn't fully write this out on here or even names, but there was a very famous case of catfishing a few years ago that involved a pretty famous Notre Dame uh, football player. Uh, I don't know if you remember the story going down, but basically he had had a girlfriend for, I guess, a couple years who had cancer. She had leukemia, I want to say, but she'd actually died in the middle of the season. And he was like devastated, like crying on social media. And then whispers were getting out there that no one had ever met this girlfriend. They'd never known him to hang out with her or anything like that. And then, so then the public was like, I think he made this story up so that he could excuse like poor playing or something like that. But actually it turned out he had been being catfished by a man for years. Oh my God. So he really did believe that he- For years? Yes, he really believed that he had a girlfriend with leukemia who died. Oh my God. But when you search catfishing or catfish- on the internet. I mean, well, you get articles about the actual fish, but you don't find that much content that isn't about the show mm-hmm. or the documentary. And that's because I think it's embarrassing. Yeah. You do find the article, a bunch of articles about the Notre Dame football player, and that kind of comes up constantly when people are citing the phenomenon of catfishing. But like, there's not even really any statistics around it to say like, oh, 30% of online relationships are catfish. Like no one knows because no one wants to talk about it. Well, I found one that I put in just down here. It was like 2008 negative experiences with online dating app or service, which was found out someone lied about their identity or being catfished was actually 34%. Wow. That's crazy. 34 
percent. And then remember in the last episode when you were talking about how many of these yeah. people were also married. It's just like so yeah. messy. And like I said earlier, to be catfished in 2021, it really says something about you. And I'm not trying to victim blame, but mm-hmm. it's harder to successfully catfish someone now because we all have a much more established internet footprint. You know, back in 2010 when Neve was being catfished, it would be easier because Facebook hadn't been around for that long. You wouldn't have to trusting. Go, yeah, and you wouldn't have to go back and create 10 years of Facebook content. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be wow. You know, that would be an epic task. Well, you couldn't anyway, right? Like time stamp it. Yeah, exactly. Facebook is so much more sophisticated now, right? All of social media is. You'd have to – you couldn't fake an Instagram. You'd have to say, in 10 years, I'm going to catfish someone. I'm going to start now creating the identity, you know? Yeah. Um, Neve said – he said himself, uh, people in this situation are people who don't want to do the research, And I think that that is very true because you just want to believe. So why do people catfish? Now, this is just based on some reading I've done, my viewing of both Catfish, the television show, and multiple other series on TLC that are about people in bad relationships, yeah, (laughs) like 90 Day Fiance and Married at First Sight and all kinds of other stuff. So the first one, and this is the one that, you know, is – is super sad, very common in the early seasons of Catfish. Insecurity about their true selves, whether that's their bodies, their lives, what they do for a living, where they live. This was very common, very, very common in the early seasons. Um, It's also an escape from their actual lives. And I think that's that's the reason that best applies to Angela from the Catfish documentary. That makes sense. It's a fake life, Mm -hmm. right? The one Mm -hmm. that comes up more often than you would think is revenge. And I mean, like, let's just, let's just get down to brass tacks here. This is a really fucked up way to get revenge. There's one episode of catfish. This is another, if you were, if I were going to say, just go watch a couple episodes. This is the other one I would say you must go watch. It's where a guy named Antoine thinks this other guy he's been messaging with for three years. Tony is like the love of his life. Like he wants to marry him. His best friend, so Antoine's best friend, is his cousin Carmen. And she's a big part of the episode. And she goes along with them on the investigation into Tony's true identity. And there are multiple times where they show up at different places where supposedly this Tony is supposed to be. And it's a dead end every time. In the end, it turns out that Carmen is Tony. So Antoine's alleged best friend and cousin She's been doing it for revenge. (laughs) Carmen confesses that it was her all along that she actually hates Antoine and has been wanting revenge for three (laughs) years. She has put three years of her life into this because he once called her, quote, a fat ass Kelly Price. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so this guy not only finds out that this relationship that he's been in is a lie, but his best friendship is also a lie. I felt wow. really sad for him, actually. Like, that was a brutal episode. Wow. People laugh at this episode, but I'm like, this poor guy, you know? His dedication. Oof, I know. Another wow. common 
at least on Catfish, the show, another common reason for catfishing is a fear of openness about their actual sexual orientation. So often you'll see a gay man, usually closeted, pretending to be a woman and catfishing a straight guy, or a gay woman pretending to be a guy to catfish a straight woman. And it's so sad, Kim, because these relationships are so intense the person doing the catfishing, I mean, think about what they're dealing about. All the self-loathing about oh. their sexuality because they often are not in in a situation in which there are other people supporting them. Yeah. They have real feelings for these people. They feel like the only way they can get the this relationship with these people is by switching their gender. And then every time these people meet – it is like the most outrageous confrontation. Oh, just devastating. I yeah. Anytime I've gotten the inkling that that's where an episode is going, I just skip oh, to the bad. next one because I can't oh, handle bad. it. Yeah, I can't. I can't handle that. I mean, it's um, like a Maury Povich show. It is. It is. Or it's like remember that episode of Jenny Jones in the nineties? It basically ended the series where yes, yeah, yes. where she, like if you ha- if you are not familiar with this episode, it's pretty famous. Uh, there's a documentary like, about it. There is. If you, it's, it's really, really good. good too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, he, you know, a guest comes on the show to have a surprise crush revealed to him, and it is a guy, and he is the look on his face. They show it a bunch of times in that documentary when he realizes that his the person who has a secret crush on him is a man is like rage and humiliation, mm-hmm. and he later murdered. That guy, yeah, uh, ended ended Je- Jenny Jones. That was the end oh. of her career as a talk show host, um, and that was pretty fucked up. You know that that happened in the first place. Um, another, you know, reason the most classic reason to catfish someone is to get money. This is so. This is pretty common. Like I said, it's not on the sh- on catfish as often because I think it's not dramatic enough for them, but. It's happened a few times on 90 Day Fiance. Mm-hmm. Like there was a guy who said he was a Nigerian prince. Yes. But really he was living in Vietnam. Um, <laughs> usually it's like – it's not like they're asking for $1,000 every week or something. It's like in little dribs and drabs. Like they need gift cards. They need their phone bill paid. They need money sent Western Union for a crisis, et cetera. It's like a little bit over time that turns into a lot of money. You know, so it's not as obvious to the person being catfished. Mm -hmm. And I will say on Catfish the Show, often the people being catfished, whether it's for money or whatever else, uh, they are not wealthy. They're often very young or there are a lot of single parents who are really struggling. And so this isn't a person you're going to get a lot of money out of. There was one episode in a recent season where it was like, a woman, I want to say it was a woman, who had was literally catfishing like a hundred people at any given time. And I think that's the only way you can really make a living off of catfishing because you have to remember that the people you're catfishing in the first place are people who either can't spend $10 to do a background check into you or don't have the wherewithal to do it, which means they're either young or they're broke or they're both. So it's not like they're going to be buying you a car, you know? Right. Exactly. Um, and then another common reason that people catfish, and this is another one where it's like the long con and you, 
it's so dark to think about what's going on behind the scenes there, is to catch a partner cheating. And it starts off as that's all they're going to do. And it's just like going to be a short, short thing. And then it's like a year later, they're still doing it. And you think like, okay, so you're still living with your partner. You see them every day. And you are having this secret relationship with them that they think they're having with someone else. And yet you must coexist with them every day for six months, a year, years while they're doing this and you're doing this. That's just toxic. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, Well, let's talk about how people end up being catfished. Yeah. I mean, loneliness is number Mm -hmm. one, right? Uh, I think kind of – we might be more ripe for catfishing than ever. I would love to see someday when the pandemic is over, sort of a retrospective on how catfishing played out during the pandemic. Because if there were an easy time to be a catfish, it would be now. Like, well, we can't hang out, you know, there's a pandemic and uh, you have nothing else to do. So why not just be in this relationship with me on the internet? And, you know, I'm spending a lot of time at home too, so I can do like a really good job of catfishing. Yeah, like it seems like this exactly. is a good time to do it. I'm so curious what the number of reports are. I know. Well, once again, people are so embarrassed about it. Yeah. Um, another reason that people get catfished is because a real relationship, meaning, and I hesitate to use the word real relationship because I got to tell you, yes, I know part of catfish is fictionalized and they're maybe making these relationships seem more intense, but these relationships are real to these people and they are very intense. They are an important part of their lives. Every person that they go to visit who they're going to, you know, find who's, if they're being catfished, that person, the catfishy, they meet their family members and their friends and their coworkers. And they all know this person that this catfishy is in a relationship with. Like, Mm -hmm. it is that real. It's not a secret. But a real in-person relationship with someone is just not an option. You know, maybe they work a lot. There was one woman who was literally living in a homeless shelter. There are a lot of single parents on here. And those those also just really – they get me because it's so sad because it's a lot of young women who feel like no one else – would want to go out with them because they have a kid. So they feel really excited when someone does want to. And they put up with a lot more because of that. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this as a person who was a, a young single mother, people would literally say to me that I would be lucky to find someone who would want to go out with me, you know? So yeah, that is yeah. still a real, that is real. Uh, sounds, I say it out loud. I'm like, who would believe that? But that is such a widely held belief. Um, and I think most importantly, people want to believe, you know, <laughs> love is exactly. like the biggest theme yeah. of movies and music and literature and art. And we all want to participate in that. If you took all the songs off the radio that were about love, what would be left? Weird Al Yankovic? Right. Rage Against the Machine. That's all we'd be listening to, yeah. guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... It's like we, from the time we are little kids, we, well, we're being trained to be consumers, one, but we're also being trained to believe in love and that that is to be a focus. I I think back to like 
junior high and high school where you like had to have someone to have a crush on all the time or you felt, I don't know, you felt sad that there was no one to have a crush on. Like you had to have a crush on someone and it would be arbitrary most of the time. I look back at some of the boys I had crushes on in junior high and I'm like, oh, what's wrong <laughs> with me? Slim pickings, you know? Right. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was It was real slim pickings. Um, but, you know, we are – we have been raised to be in love, yeah, to dream exactly. of finding love, right? So if you think you found it, and of course it's not perfect because the other thing that movies and music and books and art teach us is that no relationship is perfect, that it always has to be hard for a while, but then you get to the good part. You get into these catfishing relationships and you're like, okay, well, this this is the hard part, but then we're going to get to the good part later where we see each other in real life and hang out all the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these people think they're getting married no matter what age they are. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are engaged, allegedly. Virtually. That's so interesting. I know. I know. I, when you say it out loud, you're like, this is absurd. But, like, I get why you would want to believe this and mm-hmm. why it would be easy to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh. The same article from Wired that I've quoted earlier says, Catfish makes obvious what most adults know. Romantic love is shot through with projection. Our phones mirror back to us our fondest hopes, and into the text bubble we pour all of our yearnings. These catfish she's, they don't do the research because they don't want to lose that hope, that illusion. Exactly. It's, I mean, And I get that. No. Have you ever don't. been catfished? I no, I have not been catfished. Shockingly, I think I've everything else bad has happened, but not catfish. <laughs> I know, me too. I think I'm. I'm. I bet you a million dollars. I have talked to catfishes or whatever. Oh my god, I'm, I'm sure, sure. But like, I think I don't think I. I fit the the bill of what they're looking for or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or I am not looking for whatever it is like. Usually, I'm. You know, like when when you usually like when you see like a supermodel photo. That's mm-hmm. just not what I'm looking for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and the, like I cannot emphasize enough how these catfish are always the literally most attractive people you've ever seen. Yeah. Like, and you know, like we yeah. know uh, that the more attractive you are on online dating sites, the more options you're going to have. So yeah. why would you get into a long distance relationship where you never get to see one another? You know, like you would, you yeah. wouldn't have to. And they're always models. They're always they. Sometimes they're models slash DJs slash rappers. N- absolutely not. That is literally the last person I want. Like <laughs> if, if you were a model slash DJ or rap, like that's like the last. I know. I it's know. Not even. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. I, <laughs> not on on my my checklist. Yeah. Yeah. So. There have been a couple of times, and I mean very few, where the catfish really is who their pictures say they are. Mm. There's just something else weird going on. Like they're married or, Mm. you know, I I don't know. There have been a couple that were in prison. Um, Yeah. So, you know, there's always a catch. There's always a catch. Yeah. I don't know if anyone. I bet, who, I bet there's attractive catfishes out there. I, mean, I bet there there's. Has I bet to they, be. they make a killing, <laughs> especially during lockdown. You know, like That's what I'm saying, like this would be a great time 
to start a catfishing scam. Well, a yeah. year ago would have been a great time because you could you have all the time. You know, you could be yeah. just bilking people for money. Uh, you'd have to have. I think. Like I said, I think to really make uh, like you know build a strong business off of catfishing, yes. it's a numbers game. So yeah, you might need to game. like you know automate some of it or uh, get some assistance. You know, hire a few people to help you out yeah. with all the messaging. Because like the thing that blows my mind most of all is the intense amount of texting. Like it is yeah. wild. Like you have to it makes create me, an emotional bond. Yeah, exactly. It makes me think of the pen paling phenomenon of online dating. Mm-hmm. And now that we're talking about it, I'm like, are some of the people who have been pen paling with me in the past are they also catfish? But then they were just like, eh, I don't know. Who knows? It could be. Yeah, you never know. I know. Uh, but I, I find this so fascinating, and it's such a it's such a 21st century problem. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, and I did post in here like the romance scam report over time, which shows like from 2015 to 2018. And like you said, like the the number of people that actually report it is just so small and so yeah. insignificant. But they do. There is there are people reporting it, and you can just see how much it's like increased. Like the amount of <laughs> scams just continue to go up. What makes me wonder if we could. If we had this chart overlaid with a chart of like the revenue and membership levels of Plenty of Fish, <laughs> if they would be the same line, because I did forget to mention this. I know I mentioned this offhand a couple episodes ago, but it seems like Plenty of Fish is where a lot of this catfishing begins. Yeah. I actually thought, Kim, that I was going to find a correlation between the name Plenty of Fish and catfishing, but it's just I, a coincidence. I, that's <laughs> hilarious, actually. That's I know, hilarious. I know. And I noticed this pretty early on. They would always be like, I was just on Plenty of Fish, and I met this guy. He messaged me. Sometimes this catfishing begins on Facebook or Instagram, especially in the more recent seasons, but mm. – Plenty of fish is where it always starts. And on some of the other shows we've watched about really unhealthy, weird relationships, anytime there's catfishing involved, it also starts on plenty of fish. And Dustin and I were sort of obsessing over this for a while. Like, how could it be? And as far as we can tell, it's just because plenty of fish is completely free. Mm. And it doesn't seem to link to any of your other social media accounts. So you can just create a fake profile. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But most of the other ones are free. I think like, that it's like some of them charge you to talk and stuff now, you know, in one way or another. Um, but Plenty of Fish has always been completely free and pretty low effort. I, I mean, I think it also might be for a slightly older person. I don't know because there'd be like 18 year olds getting catfished on there. Huh. I okay. also thought Plenty of Fish was for older people because the name makes I me mean, think the it name, is. Yeah. The name itself is just very embarrassing. And, you know, you do – I did put post in here also. It's like the victims by age group. Oh. The older you get, the bigger of a chance, you know, that, that you're a victim. I mean, people um, have been scamming older people since the dawn of the internet. Exactly. It's not – that's not surprising. It's the email of like – Yes, the Nigerian prince. Yes, always the – dude, the fact that there was an actual Nigerian prince catfisher on 90 Day Fiance, I I almost peed my pants. Oh, my God. Um, But 
they're also I listened to I don't know, maybe it was I I'm thinking it was This American Life a few years ago. It might have been something else. I'll try to track it down to share with everyone, but it was an episode about these like love farms basically overseas where it's like it's basically a call center filled with people who are having online relationships with people in the United States and bilking them for oh, money. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yuck. So that's I guess if you really you can in fact run a solid business off of catfishing. Well, I mean, you can also do the there's like professional catfishing. I mean, I had a friend that got catfished. <gasps> that's right. That's right. I but, forgot about yeah, that. She had like posted her resume on, I think, Indeed. I think Indeed is scammy. Do not post that. her resume on Indeed. Yeah. And someone reached out to her pretending to offer her a job. And actually, I had a, no, I had another friend that also got tried to get catfished with this a same scenario. And was like promising these jobs. And they basically they try to like milk you for money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's like a very elaborate scheme of like setting up these fake websites and like you need to like send them like do these like, like specific like deposits and like there was one where it was like buying gift cards. It was like very, very oh, elaborate. It always comes back to gift cards. It's weird gift cards or like deposit a check but send a different check because it's like it's like setting up these different funds. It's really, really insane elaborate and they try to kind of confuse you, but then they also kind of intimidate you and bully you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I had two friends get like try to get like um, catfished professionally. So be super, super careful. Oh, yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. No, there's been a couple times where I felt like I was getting catfished or like, well, I didn't respond, but I got the vibe that there yeah. was uh, catfishing about to happen that was going to involve me like losing money for sure. Yeah. Never, ever send money yeah. to any job situation. Why would you? No matter how real it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Why would you? Exactly. No matter how many people you you talk to at this company, it's not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not real. It's so insane. Yeah. Well, that's all I really have about catfishing. If you've been catfished, uh, please, please, we want to know. We'll disguise your voice. I don't know how to do that, but we'll figure <laughs> it out. Um, and what else? If you've ever woken up and there were raccoons in the living room, I want to hear about that too. <laughs> <laughs> and you kept going back. That is Guys, epic. I'm addicted to love. I okay? love it. That is so I, hilarious. I look back and I will say this. My friends were like, literally, we're so sick of you because you keep hanging out with this guy. And I was like, listen, I'm sick of myself. I don't know why. I cannot, I've, never, Kim, I've never had a situation like that before this went down or after you know what? like man been there girl this- been there oh man i just the angst. respect amanda oh, I- God. <laughs> just so ridiculous i mean and like all my friends were like he's just like not that cool and i'm like i know <laughs> he's totally not cool <laughs> all he does is talk about himself you know he just makes a mess in my apartment (laughs) for a while he was like living with me and he hadn't even asked god it's just like the worst (laughs) yeah you couldn't get enough 
couldn't get enough. What a life lesson. I think for me, it was like, just because you're like wildly attracted mm-hmm. to someone in a re- for a reason that you can't understand doesn't mean you're destined to be together. It doesn't mean that you're soulmates. It doesn't mean that like they're your person for the rest of your life. It just means that pheromones yeah. will betray you. They will. Like this, this yeah. person was clearly raised in a barn and pheromones <laughs> will betray you. And <laughs> there's just nothing you can do about it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, and like, like I said, a lot of you listeners would say the raccoons would have been the last straw. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying, uh-huh. but you know what? I- it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no God. one is gonna hold it against you amanda it was years ago but like seriously like i said still talking to this guy every day not in a romantic sexy way <laughs> a w- up to a week before just, i got married i it just sometimes it just takes it just takes this one interaction to finally to for it to click <sighs> you know he like i'm just gonna say one more thing we hung out. So he, you know, worked in advertising and he had, I don't want to give up too much information about him. But let's just say he moved to New York, bragged about it constantly, would talk to me about what New York was like. And I kept being like, yeah, I used to live there. Yeah, I used to live there. Yeah, I used to live there. And he just didn't hear it. Oh. And then he didn't last more than six months in New York and he moved uh, back to the West Coast. And he was working in LA for a while, but on the West side, like in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. And you know that when you live in LA, if you're over on the East side, like we are, and someone you know is on the West side, you're never going to see them. It'll be like a once a year thing. So in the like year that he was there, we hung out one time and we went to, um, what's the really good sushi place? Uh, Sugarfish? Um, Yes. He took me to Sugarfish, spent a couple hundred dollars on me. I'm not complaining. And then took me out for ice cream afterwards. But the thing I remember most about hanging out is that he was trying to explain to me for a really long time what a podcast was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I know. I know what they are, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Well – Love, isn't it grand? We're both <laughs> in better places now. I haven't seen a raccoon in so long. Oh um, my god! But That's thank so you, everyone, funny. for joining us again this week, and we'll be back next week. Thank you. What a pleasure. Bye. Bye. Bye.